0: Hey, Meryl.
1: Hey, Robert.
0: We're back with another installment of our multi part series of field notes looking at the budget. We are headed back into the legislative session to wrap up for 2020. And there are some big questions. And so, what have we been doing, Meryl?
1: We have been talking to superintendents in small communities across the state over some of their challenges um, that their worries, their concerns, sometimes their strategies over how they are going to deal with a major budget cut going into this year and even looking forward into the future.
0: So you talked to Jay Brinson, who's the superintendent of Wayne County Schools. And how was that?
1: Ah, It was wonderful. Superintendent Brinson is great. Um, I I love him. He really spoke a lot about some of the additional costs of going back to school when there is a health crisis. How do you pay for masks? How do you pay for cleaning products? What's the right level of thermometers to have? All this stuff, um, which I think all of our superintendents are working through right now, but especially in a community that doesn't have a lot of other resources outside of the state budget. Um, It's a big concern when you want to provide an education and keep your students and your communities safe.
0: Right, right. Well, looking forward to hearing more about what he had to say. So let's jump into let's, it.
1: Let's roll it. Jay,
2: thank you so much for taking the time um, to take this call today and be a part of our podcast. Can you introduce yourself for our listening audience?
3: Sure, Kay and Merrill. Always good to hear from you. Uh, my name is Jay Brinson. I'm the superintendent of schools here in uh, Wayne County, located in Jessup, Georgia, which is deep Southeast Georgia. Um, I'm fixing to be in my seventh year as a superintendent here. Uh, I've actually been in the school system. This would be my 28th year. I'm actually graduated from Wayne County High School, so I've been- Oh, you're a lifer. Yeah, I've been <laughs> in the same place in deep Southeast Georgia basically my whole life.
2: Um, we are so excited to have your voice on our podcast today. As you know, we're talking about um the budget, the state budget cuts. Um at the time of recording, uh they haven't gone back in to complete the session, but we know that's coming up. And so we're hoping to get some insight as to how school systems are looking at these cuts and what some of the concerns and challenges are, especially in smaller communities.
3: Right. And uh yeah you're you're right. The legislators have a have a tough job in, in balancing the budget. Um that that's something they are required by law to do um but i also will note that in their constitution it says that uh, the state of georgia shall adequately fund public education so that's the balance they're going to have to strike uh we're fortunate in our area to have some tremendous uh representatives on on the house and senate sides uh so so we're fortunate there and they work hard for us but uh it is concerning uh to hear the plan for a 14 percent cut um across our budget um, I mean, our you know our QBE funding and also state grants, which is a whole nother uh, concern because it kind of looks like uh, right now the 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 talk is also cutting our grants, which you know in Wayne County we get what's what's called an equalization grant, which is a huge grant for us. That's uh man, that's about that's over five million dollars, and it's a fluid amount. It's year to year based on a lot of different factors. But you're talking about you know you cutting QBE funding, which is fourteen percent of uh, $36 million, and then you're going to take 14% of our grants, which is another, you know, $750,000. That's, you know, you're kind of getting double cut in our opinion. So that's concerning. So we're just trying to make plans, a lot of challenges with that.
2: Well, and especially, I know there's a lot of additional costs associated with reopening because of the COVID-19 crisis.
3: Right, right. And, you know, and of course, preparing a budget, uh, you look at the revenue side, which is, you know, what I just mentioned, our, our QBE funding is about 75 percent of our, our what we call revenue side and of course you had your, your expenditures on the other side and you know on this crazy uncharted territory we're in um we're trying to make plans of what additional expenses you know we're going to incur during the next fiscal year because uh you know we have a challenge to to uh of course we want to make our kids that's safe and um while they're at school. And, but we also have a challenge that, look, this thing has shocked everyone. And so we got to build confidence in our, in our parents and our staff, uh, as well as our students, they're coming to a a clean, safe school and we're going to keep it that way. And so you start talking about just the cleanliness of your buildings, uh, protocols, um, how you're handling visitors, how you're handling sick kids. We're going to continue to have sick kids. Hopefully none of them contract COVID-19, but, uh, you what? Know, what do you do when you have a child? You know that's exhibiting a fever. Um, you know we, we've talked about you know, we have fifty six hundred children, so we are we're, we're considered a small, medium sized school district. Uh, do you put thermometers in every classroom? Well, and that's certainly a cost, uh, and we're going to spend some money. But is that effective? And so we're trying to because uh, we know you know we've been told some. People walk around asymptomatic and actually have the virus and don't exhibit any symptoms uh, or maybe not exhibit a fever during part of being able to, you know, spread uh, the virus. So are you really being affected by checking the, everybody's temperature? Right. Uh, are you
2: going to buy yeah. hundreds of thermometers if it doesn't really make a difference?
3: E- exactly. And so, you know, you are looking uh, you're going to have everybody at a comfort level. they wearing masks is another example. So what kind of masks are you going to make available to your staff, students, visitors? Um, and then you get into the whole thinking about how are you going to continue some type of distance learning on some level? Because we know right now we have, uh, before this broke, we have what we call hospital homebound. So we have kids that are not physically able to come to school, but we still serve them. And so I see that growing in, uh, you know, with, with this new, um situation we're going to have to manage so that's yeah you look at the whole distance learning devices connectivity um and having to put more money into that as well
2: and are there additional expenses for um associated with that
3: absolutely i mean we're um uh, we're still not we're a rural southeast georgia's you know school we have a lot of pine trees one big paper mill in our system actually the, the school system's the largest employer so our tax digest it is what it is, but it looks a little different in Wayne County than it does maybe in, in Cobb or Gwinnett. Um, and so we're still not one-to-one with our technology devices. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, to, and to be quite honest with you, even if we were able to give everybody a, a hotspot in a, in a Chromebook, we have parts of our county that, you know, they don't have a current service provider that covers their area. So that's not doing us any good, too. So there's just a lot of challenges to try to figure out where I don't know maybe we put a hot spot on the bus and drive it out there to you know our corner of the county where we have you know 30 students who reside but again there's no connectivity at all so uh, but we're planning for that um you know the cares act money that we got and that's certainly we're certainly appreciative of that but anybody that thinks that that totally was covers the projected cuts that they're they're mistaken and i'm worried about that messaging. and uh, that you all got whatever for us it was a million and a half dollars which sounds great uh and we, it's very much yeah a good, but it, it's
2: it's not 14 percent though
3: <laughs> no it's not it is not it, it, it's about a, it's about a third of what our projected cut is so uh, there you go um still a deficit so, so a lot of things to consider
2: um can i ask from a personnel standpoint i know the majority of every budget is is personnel are y'all That's looking right. at um I've heard about tiered systems of furlough days versus blanket furlough days versus not furlough days. Do you have any idea where that might land? I mean, I know well, I know it's, not, it's
3: all up in the air still. I know. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is and um in, in Wayne County, we're we're fortunate to be honest with you that we've built up a, a, a very healthy fund equity. We did that um by design because we knew we had some major projects coming up and we they had been ignored. For whatever, for decades, really. We're talking about building a new elementary school, new tracks, you know, our bus uh, fleet has been depleted. So we built up a healthy fund balance um, to make sure we didn't have to skimp on those projects. But as you know, a fund balance is is for rainy days and it's storming pretty good right now. So we're just, you know, we are looking to reduce that staff to attrition next year. So if any spots come open, we'll look to maybe downsize. We've already hired for the for the upcoming school year, we we're about 95 percent complete, so we really couldn't. I didn't want to hire people and then fire them the next month because this was going on. But we know we're going to dip in our fund balance, you know, pretty good. But right now, we're not planning on any furlough days. We've taken the approach, and and I'm fortunate the board supported this. Is that uh, we want to take care of people right now. There's enough stress and stuff going on, and we don't know how it's going to play out. We didn't want um, our educators and and really our students to worry about furloughs. Uh, we've lost basically a fourth of a school year. Are we really going to reduce some more instructional days for our children? So we're sure, not saying sure. on any furloughs at this point, and And uh, that's that's how we're going to go through this next year. And hopefully we can catch our breath and uh, things get back to a little sense of normalcy. That's good.
2: Although it does sound like it pushes off those other plans, you know, the elementary school and the, and the track and et cetera.
3: That's right. And we, we think we can get through next year. Um you know, maybe, maybe holding off on the track, you know that's about a two million dollar uh that's about a two million dollar project, and that's about ten furlough days and so instead of uh furloughing our uh, teachers' ten days, I look at it, as we're just gonna hold off on the track for a little bit that's we've gotten by the last twenty years with the one we have now, and we can go maybe another year or two with it, so sounds good to me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you so much giving us your insights um and your your voice to this. I mean, it's so but, important that folks understand what the real concerns are going to be on the ground in a community, especially when there isn't lots of other industries that might
3: help make that's up my, balance. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, and I appreciate the work you guys are doing and, and getting the message out. I think it's important that everybody education is it's a business, you know. But we're we're dealing with people's money and their children. It's a very important business, and there's just so many uh, moving parts. The more the more people get more educated about how the education of children is managed and, and executed, the better off we're going to be. I agree wholeheartedly. Amen to that. All right.
2: Well, thank you again. I appreciate your time.
3: All right, Meryl. Good talk to you. Bye bye. Take
2: care. Bye-bye.
0: All right, Meryl. Well, Jay Brinson, Superintendent Jay Brinson. Uh, really hit on some some hard-hitting issues, particularly around what the Constitution says about the budget, which I'll let you jump into. But I want to say that one of the things I love about the conversation you guys had is that he is doing his best to prioritize his people over line items. And I think that speaks to his leadership and the fact that he knows at the end of the day, his personnel are going to make a bigger difference than how much copy paper he's got in his office.
1: I think that is exactly right. Um, But he makes a good point. Our constitution says, uh, the state shall provide adequate education for our residents. And there are real questions over, is that possible? How do we make that possible? Within, within budget, in a, in a lean year, what does that look like? And where do you, how do you weigh the balances to decide if the money goes into this or into that? Um, right. When you talk about wanting to protect the people, I think you're exactly right. Um, but yeah. there, there are just expenses, there are expenses.
0: Right, and the sums of money they're looking to have to operate without are not small. So I know that their district gets not only QBE funding but the equalization grants, which are also being cut by fourteen percent potentially.
1: I know that equalization is a high priority concern for all of our smaller rural communities, so yeah. it's good to hear his voice talking about that that need.
0: Absolutely. well. Once again, we've come to the end of this installment of Field Notes, but we are looking forward to the next one, and we will catch you all then.
1: Bye, listening audience. Hey there, listener. One more thing before you go. You've been hearing from us, but we'd love to hear from you. We at the Georgia Partnership always want to get better at what we're doing, so let us know what you think so far. Also, what are we missing out there across this great state? Who's doing cool things in your neighborhood to support the education and workforce pipeline? What innovations and solutions has your community come up with around economic development? Are there some great partnerships between sectors like housing, health, transportation that are making a difference in your educational outcomes? We'd love to hear about them and spread the word about good work being done across Georgia. We hope to hear from you contact us go to our website gpee.org and click on the contact us tab in the top right corner or give robert our communications guru a call at 404-223-2464 thanks for listening listener